With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. He was great! I want to play right now! And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. A little bonus episode edition here where I'm going to go through the top 12 players currently on the New York Jets roster as a follow-up to a recent article I just wrote on our website. Before we dive into the top 12, I want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to check out primesport.com slash turn on the Jets for all of their tickets and hospitality packages for the 2018 regular season. Make sure to also follow Prime Sport on Twitter and on Facebook at Prime Sport. Longtime friend of the podcast, so make sure to show some love to Prime Sport again at primesport.com slash turn on the Jets. Also, our podcast is brought to you by Razor Sport. That's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. The best in the business when it comes to gambling advice and consulting, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, horse racing, anything, boxing, you name it. It's Razorsport.com. R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. Make sure to also give them a follow on Twitter at Razor Sport Club as well. Uh, Prime Sport, Razor Sport, easy enough to remember. Make sure to support our friends of the pod as we continue to grow and expand. Before we get into the list, one other reminder. Please subscribe to all of our podcasts on iTunes. Give us a rating as well. Our podcasts are also available on Google Play and Spotify. Currently, the five podcasts we have running as part of the Turn on the Jets digital podcast network are this podcast, uh, the Turn on the Jets podcast, uh, our Play Like a Jet podcast hosted by Scott Mason, which runs every Friday. He's currently working through an interview with Ray Mickens. Also, Stick to the Jets, hosted by Connor Rogers, usually will run every Sunday or Monday. Draft Season, hosted by Dalvin Asario and Joe Malfa. And The Jet Take, hosted by Kyle Fahey and Bed Blessington. Give all the shows a listen, give them all a rating, give them all a subscription. Any support, as always, is greatly appreciated. We also will have two or three new shows coming out over the summer, including a Know Your Opponent podcast hosted by Michael Nanya, and also a TOJ Film Room podcast hosted by Joe Blewett and Kyle Smith. Okay, now that we are through all of the admin work, uh, we're going to work through this list where I basically laid out what I think are currently the top 12 players in the New York Jets roster. The rankings are based on a hybrid of their current NFL production to date and their projected roles for 2018. So no players in the 2018 NFL draft class for the Jets are included. Sam Darnold being the obvious guy who I think a lot of people would say is already one of the 12 best players on the roster, but considering that Darnold hasn't taken an NFL snap yet, we did not include him for the purposes of this rating. Hopefully when we're doing this next May, Darnold was unquestionably in the top five or six after a very encouraging rookie season. 
We're going to work back from these 12 to 1, uh, counting them down and giving a brief justification of why they were included. And then at the end, we'll talk about why a few players who nearly made the list were not included. As always, happy for your guys' feedback. Feel free to... Either leave comments on the podcast, the article uh, that we wrote on Friday on this, or just tweet over your complaints or praises to Jay Caparoso on Twitter. Okay, number 12, I had starting left tackle Kelvin Beecham. Beecham is now coming into his second year with the team. Uh, last year, on a fairly good value contract, started all 16, for, all 16 games for the Jets, and I think was better than most people expected. He was coming off a rough year in Jacksonville where he signed a big contract with them after picking between the Jets or Jacksonville last offseason, struggled, was cut after one year, and the Jets went back to the well and were able to sign him this time, hoping they were going to get the guy who flashed in Pittsburgh prior to signing that Jacksonville contract. And that is basically the guy they got last season. Beecham was, I wouldn't say he was one of the best tackles in the NFL, but he was consistent and steady on an offensive line that had its struggles, particularly in the back half of the year. So I think the Jets are going to be looking to evaluate, can Beecham keep this up for another season before they make a long-term decision on what is going to be a very critical spot, obviously, long-term in protecting Sam Darnold. Do they continue going forward with Beecham as their left tackle? Do they maybe move him to right tackle long-term after making a major investment in left tackle with either a draft pick or a free agency splash? But if Beecham replicates what he did in 2017, uh, in 2018, there's no reason to think he won't be back as a starter in some capacity in 2019. So, a deal that turned out to be a productive one for the Jets in free agency last year was was getting quality starting tackle play from Kelvin Beachin, particularly after how bad the Ryan Clady trade worked out for them. Number eleven. Cornerback Morris Claiborne, another free agent signing for the Jets before 2017, who has been brought back for 2018. Claiborne, when he is healthy, which is rare, he has all of the attributes that made him a top 10 draft pick and makes him a quality starting cornerback. Claiborne was one of the better quarters in the NFL over the first six or seven weeks last season, then began to struggle with some injuries, showed some wear and tear, and really struggled down the stretch. He should do much better as a complimentary starting corner to Tremaine Johnson rather than just being a pure lead cornerback, which is where the Jets had him functioning last season. So with Claiborne, it's always a question about his his health. If he's healthy and playing the way he was the first six, seven weeks last year, the Jets are going to be in good shape on the outside of the cornerback position. I'm not sure, again, if Claiborne is going to be a guy they're going to invest in long term, but that's going to depend if he can stay healthy for close to 16 games next year. But based on his history, he's probably a guy who's only going to be out there 10 to 12 games based on what we've seen throughout his entire tenure. Coming in at number 10, Steve McClendon, uh, who's been the Jets' nose tackle over the past two seasons. A pure two-down run stuffer, a guy who plays about 45-50% to of the snaps. And last year, when he was able to stay healthy, was one of the better starters on this defense and definitely one of the leaders along the defensive front. 
McClendon should continue to be a hold-the-fort guy for this season, kind of similar to what Beecham and Claiborne are going to be. I'm not sure, considering his age, if he's going to be here in 2019. Clearly, the Jets drafted some younger talent on the defensive line to hopefully supplement him long-term, but as it stands right now, McClendon is still expected to be a quality starter, a guy who's going to be a factor on first and second down, push the pack, push the pocket to help support with the pass rush, and be one of the better defenders in the NFL against the run. Not quite as of explosive or as flashy as Damian Harrison was, but comes at a much lower cost and has done a good job helping bridge the gap to whatever comes next for the Jets at nose tackle long term. McClendon, again, probably not likely to get a new contract after this season considering his age, but at least in the vacuum of 2018, should remain one of the better starters on the defense. Coming in at number 9, newly signed inside linebacker Avery Williamson. The Jets brought him over from the Tennessee Titans to replace Demario Davis in what I think was a very smart move and showed good progress from their front office as instead of going with Demario Davis, who basically had an outlier season for them last year and is three years older, they went with a younger guy in Williamson who should just be entering his prime, unlike Davis who should just be exiting his prime. Williamson was a guy who towards the end of last season really became a two-down linebacker Backer. He's much more known for his ability against the run rather than the pass. That could be why the Jets also signed Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who's more known for his ability in pass coverage. We could see a situation where Williamson is regularly on the field for first and second down, and Pierre-Lewis or Kevin Minner or Darren Lee are really the inside linebackers out there in passing situations. So let's see if Williamson is a guy who plays... 65 to 70% of the snaps are closer to 85 to 90% of the snaps. Despite that, he should be one of the better players on this defense, particularly on the early downs. Has good athleticism to go sideline to sideline. Very good instincts for a player at his position and really should just be entering his prime at 26 years old. Coming in at number 8, James Carpenter, who has been the Jets' most consistent offensive lineman over the past three years, one of Mike McCadden's best free agent signings over his duration of being the GM, was signed before 2015, and has started every single game since then. Last year was definitely not his best year with the team, as he struggled particularly down the stretch, although a lot of that can be chalked up to playing next to Wesley Johnson, who was arguably the worst center in the NFL, and then also having Brian Winters be banged up the other guard spot put that much more pressure on Carpenter. Despite that, the Jets are going to hope that he's able to fit into Rick Dennison's scheme, and if he's not, he could be a guy they move on from after this season. But for at least in this year, the Jets are going to lean on Carpenter to be a starter for them and hope he could get back more to his 2016-2015 form rather than his 2017 form. But based on the body of work that he's put forward, you could expect Carpenter to start 16 games and be at least an average starter for them along that offensive line. But again, hopefully he go back to being closer to an above average starter, which is what he was in 2015 and most parts of 2016. Coming in at number seven, Jamal Adams, the Jets' sixth overall pick in the 2017 NFL Draft. Adams had a very encouraging rookie year, although I'm not sure he fully lived up to the expectations of some people. I think the book on Adams coming into the draft was that he was a generational talent and almost unquestionably the best defensive player in the draft besides Miles Garrett. Uh, Adams was good as a rookie, and he was asked to do a lot. He played weak side linebacker, he played strong safety, he played slot corner, he played free safety. He moved around the formation a lot, did make some plays, particularly 
blitzing after the quarterback, had a handful of sacks, had some pass deflections, had some near interceptions. He did also give up his share of plays. I believe he allowed seven receiving touchdowns last season. Those are some of the you know, parts of learning on the job. He gave up touchdowns to guys like Rob Gronkowski uh, and Travis Kelsey. So those are a good learning experience for a rookie. So Adams wasn't a guy who was in the discussion for being defensive rookie of the year last year, wasn't a guy who was close to being a pro bowler or an all pro really, but did show his versatility and has a very high ceiling, the highest ceiling of any player on this defense. And I think one of the most important things for the Jets in 2018 is Adams taking that next leap. When you take a guy with the sixth overall pick, The goal isn't for him to just be a good or very good starter. The goal is for him to be a superstar and to be one of the best players in the league at his position. Adams was not that as a rookie. Now, obviously, he has plenty of time to get there. So let's hope in year two he takes more strides to getting closer to that level. At number six, Jamal Adams running mate at safety, Marcus May. May is a couple of years older than Adams. Definitely, I would say, has a lower ceiling. Uh, but really, considering the as a second-round pick, May's ability to hit the ground running uh, and be probably more productive than Adams has a rookie was particularly impressive. May took over a difficult spot, basically playing free safety on the back end of the Jets' defense, did a nice job helping them cut down on some of the big plays or blown assignments, at least, that they were having in 2016, showed an ability to play well against the run and the pass, grabbed a couple of interceptions as a rookie, uh, nearly grabbed another one that got called back on a penalty. Uh, It was a very encouraging season for uh, Marcus May, who despite not being as heralded as Jamal Adams, arguably had a better rookie season than him. Now, I don't think that trajectory is probably going to continue, but I do think May is going to be a good running mate long-term for Adams as he hopefully evolves into being one of the best safeties in the NFL. But if the Jets could get an above-average starter in round two at safety, that's really good value for that pick. And May showed signs of being that as a rookie. Coming in at number five, Quincy Inua, a guy who missed the entire 2017 season, unfortunately, due to a neck injury. Him being this high is due to what he did in 2015 and 2016, and I think it's easy to forget just how versatile and just how explosive Inua was. In 2015, he basically functions as the team H-back. He worked at fullback as a lead blocker in some situations and just started to scratch the surface on what he could do as a wide receiver, uh, occasionally working the middle of the field from H-back, but never really getting to work outside with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker around. In 2016, as Marshall kind of fell off and Decker got hurt, Anuwa showed how versatile he was by being able to go outside and make plays outside the numbers and show his ability to run after the catch. You go back, you watch the game he put together on Thursday night against Buffalo, his ability to break tackles. You go back and watch the game against Cleveland with the touchdown. You watch him turning a hitch route into an 80-yard touchdown against the Ravens. He's just an extremely, extremely explosive player who can also block very well. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Jeremy Bates utilizes him. How often is he lined up at H-back? How often is he lined up outside the numbers? Uh, how many targets is he going to get? And how are the Jets going to manufacture touches for him? If Anuwa is healthy, and by all indications is that he is healthy and will be 100% for training camp, you can make a case that ultimately he could be the team's best player maker on offense in 2018, depending on what his usage is like. And if he could still run after the catch the way that he always did prior to this neck injury. 
Coming in at number four, Bilal Powell, a guy who has basically been here forever, it feels like at this point, and feels like he's been underutilized forever. And I think a lot of people might have rolled, them, rolled their eyes at Powell being this high, but I think you've got to look at the consistency in his production over the past few years. He was the guy offensively who really spearheaded their five-game winning streak in the back half of the season in 2015 after he got healthy in 2016 was second among all running backs in the NFL on yards per carry, on backs with at least 100 touches. Last season, again, led the team in rushing yards and was productive when given the opportunity. He's only had 19 or more carries four times in the past two years. All of those times, he's been well over 100 yards and produced. Last season, he had the 16th highest elusive rating in the NFL and was first in breakaway percentage of all backs with 175 carries or more. Powell ranked ninth in yards per carry at 4.3. So you know you're getting a productive guy when you give him the football. Uh, and it's just going to be a matter of how much the Jets use him to complement Isaiah Crowell and Elijah McGuire next season. But in terms of what he's done for the past few years and the fact that he's still the best running back on this roster, Powell's coming in at number four on our list. Number three, Robbie Anderson, the Jets' best offensive player in 2017, a guy who... Considering the quarterback play he's been dealing with the first two years, has still found a way to produce and be one of the better young receivers in the NFL. There's only six players that are 25 or younger who had more receiving yards than Anderson last year. Anderson's currently 25, and Anderson had to deal with Bryce Petty as his quarterback for three and a half games. If he's not dealing with that, he's well over 1,000 yards last year, caught seven touchdowns as a sophomore, and made clear strides in his route diversity, his ability to run after the catch, and his ability to be moved around the formation and do more than just be a vertical threat. Also improved his hands substantially as he struggled with drops as a rookie. We did not see much of that his sophomore year. Really, the sky's the limit for Anderson. If he could just stay on the field and not have any off-field issues as it stands now, I think the expectation is that he will be out there for the Jets for 14, 15, 16 games, and there's no reason to think he won't be the guy who ultimately leads this team in receiving yards and potentially receiving touchdowns uh, if they continue to utilize him down the field, and he gets quality quarterback play from Sam Darnold. Coming in at number two, Tremaine Johnson, the Jets' biggest free agent signing of this offseason, a guy who will function as their lead cornerback, uh, got a huge deal coming over from the Rams and has been the lead corner on one of the NFL's best defenses over the past few years, a guy with great ball skills who should help improve the Jets at turning the football over. There are some inconsistencies with Johnson. Uh, he is not a pure, pure shutdown corner in the mold of a Darrell Rivas we saw in his prime. He is going to get beat at times, but he does have the physical skill set to match up with number one receivers on opposing teams, and the Jets will use him in that way. Johnson should function as one of the best, if not the best player on their defense, considering the money that he's being paid. So definitely the most talented cornerback this team has had since Darrell Revis in early 2015 when he was still trying, uh, and should be a nice weapon on the back end to go with Jamal Adams, Marcus May, Morris Claiborne. Finally, coming in at number one, the sixth overall pick in the 2015 draft for the New York Jets, Leonard Williams, their defensive end. Williams is coming off a somewhat disappointing season in 2017, but... 
considering that from the day he's stepped on the NFL and he's only 23 years old right now, uh, he's been consistently an above average starter and a guy who should still be getting better. Again, only 23 years old, can now adjust and now had a season to fully adjust without playing with Sheldon Richardson. He'll have to deal with not having Muhammad Wilkerson, but the Jets have added talent around him on the defensive line. They traded for Henry Anderson. They drafted Nathan Shepard. They've added some bodies around him. They brought back Mike Pinnell and Xavier Cooper. This defensive line isn't quite loaded yet, but your hope is that in year four, Williams will take that next step. He was inconsistent. Yes, he did have plenty of quarterback hits and pressures. He does need to convert more of those into big plays or sacks. Again, similar to Adams. When you draft a guy sixth overall, you're drafting him to be one of the best players in the NFL at his position, not just to be a good to very good starter. Williams has been a good to very good starter, but now he needs to take that next step to become an all-pro caliber player and a guy who's regularly talked about as one of the four or five best 3-4 defensive ends in the NFL. He's not quite there yet, but let's hope he gets to that level this season. All right, that wraps up our top 12. As it stands, I believe we got seven defensive players, five offensive players, three skill position players out of that offensive group. A couple guys who were close but didn't quite make this list. Jermaine Curse, a guy who I think was really productive for the team last year and probably better than expected. There was a reason that Seattle basically threw him in that deal and was ready to cut ties with him. A good veteran presence, but I'm not exactly sure how many targets he's going to be looking at next year and how much of what he does isn't replaceable. And I'm curious if he's a guy that the Jets end up putting on the trade blo- trading block in training camp, depending on how Terrell Pryor looks, depending on how our Darius Stewart looks, depending on how Chad Hansen looks. So that'll be an interesting player to keep an eye on. Uh, Josh McCown had the best season of his career last year, but regression to the mean is probably likely. And the hope again is going to be that Sam Donald is the starting quarterback next year. So he didn't quite make the list. Brian Winters has been too banged up over the past two years and just not been playing up to the status of his contract. Let's hope that if healthy, he can do that next year. And look, I think when you look at this top 12 list, it's not overly exciting or overly flashy. There's a reason that the Jets currently have the lowest odds of any team in the NFL to win the Super Bowl. I don't know if they're the worst team in the league. I don't know if I buy that, but this roster does still need a lot of work. And I think in terms of it needing work, how good are they going to be next year will depend on can Leonard Williams make that leap? Can Jamal Adams make that leap? Can Marcus May have a strong follow-up to his rookie year? They need some internal improvement to eventually be complemented by some external support in free agency next year and then another draft that hopefully focuses on pass rusher and offensive line. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. We'll be back with our normal episode this Thursday where we're going to talk with Brian Bassett of the Jets blog about the team's offseason, about what it's like running a Jets blog, and talk a little bit about some projections uh, for 2018. So we'll have our normal upload time Thursday morning. Thank you for listening for this extra episode where we went through our top 12 players. As always, you could follow on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Thank you.